Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So today I want to talk about how to live a generous life from the perspective of sacrifice. And, and uh, we seldom discuss the meaning of sacrifice from a scriptural basis. But how does sacrifice really impact our life? Um, I mean, have you really thought about that? I know in the Old Testament it was a big deal. But how does sacrifice impact our life now that we're living in the New Testament after the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How does sacrifice impact me? Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus shares these words. He says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So I guess the question for me is, is sacrifice even relevant for us today? Animal sacrifice, I don't think, is no longer relevant. So if you have, don't be thinking about sacrificing your neighbor's dog or cat or whatever else that is out there that's annoying you. That's not, that's not appropriate, okay? We're not going to do that. But in Jesus' day, the Pharisees loved to offer animal sacrifices. It was part of the Old Testament law, and they would go and offer the animal sacrifices in there. And, but their sacrifices didn't necessarily always reflect personal change. We know that. Last week, in fact, I shared the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. One of the most, probably the, the most famous parable in the Bible is the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we talked about how the priest and that, how the rabbi, they just walked by the man who had been beaten and robbed. And it was a Samaritan that stopped. Now the priest and the rabbi, you know that they had at different times had made sacrifices to God. You know that. And yet at the same time, <clears throat> they didn't stop and help the man that had been beaten and robbed. And it makes these words come alive, what Jesus said. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You know, you can do all the sacrifices in the world, but, you know, if you have no mercy, if you don't have love, then guess what? It's, not, it's worthless. Sacrifice meant nothing if it didn't lead to change and obedience. It's kind of like grace in the New Testament. Grace should never become a license for us to sin. Grace is an opportunity for us to reset our lives so that we can follow after Jesus. Sacrifice was never given as an instrument to promote greater sin. It was an instrument to remind the Old Testament believers that they were sinners who needed a Savior. Until then, live godly lives. That's what we're called to do. Today, I want to talk about the generosity of sacrifice and how it applies to our lives today. Our text is found in 2 Samuel chapter 24 where God is angry at the sin of the Israelites and allows King David to be tested. So if you have your Bibles today, I know we have it on the screen as well, but if you have your Bibles, you have an instrument to put, we're going to be in that the entire time, 2 Samuel chapter 24. Let me start with verse 2. So the king said to Joab and the army commanders with him, go throughout the tribes of Israel from Dan to Bathsheba and enroll the fighting men so that I may know how many there are. Now, I'm just pre-warning you. I have a lot of scripture today, and you've got to follow along with me. You've got to dive into this story with me. And if you are willing to go into this story and stay focused with this, you're going to walk out. At the end of the day, you're going to go, you know what? This touched my life. I understand a little bit more about what sacrifice is all about. 
So King David had Joab go throughout the nation and start counting these military men. King David makes a choice late in his reign to take a census of his army. This is not when King David was young. This is as he's older. Basically, he counted the number of the military men. He counted the strength that he had. Now, this doesn't seem like a big deal. In fact, in other parts of Scripture, guess what? God asked for a census. In fact, if you read your Bible, how many read your Bible here today? Oh, boy, I'm calling you guys out today. If you read your Bible, you'll notice in the very early books, there's a book called Numbers. Have you ever read Numbers? Oh, my gosh. Woo, it's tough. Why? Why is it called Numbers? It's called Numbers because it's all about Numbers. In the very beginning, it, it takes a census of all the 12 tribes of Israel. God asked for this census. And I think it's the first four chapters. You just read about all these clans and the numbers. And at the end of the book, there's another census that is taken about the 12 tribes of Israel. So why is this census a big deal? Why is God, why is Joab frustrated with David, King David, that he's taken this census and he's counting his military men? Because David's census... David's census reflects his reliance on his army instead of his reliance on God. David's not counting people. David is counting men who can fight. Now remember, this is the lad, the young shepherd boy, who was called out to fight this mighty giant named who? Goliath. He was called out to fight Goliath. And you know what? He didn't fight Goliath in his own strength. He fought Goliath in God's strength. And all of a sudden, later in, in, in David's life, instead of focusing on the power of God, all of a sudden he's starting to focus on his mighty army. He starts to focus on the things that of, of himself instead of who brought him to the place where he's at, King David, instead of focusing on the power of God. Joab tried to persuade David not to do the count, but David insisted. And the count came to 800,000 soldiers in Israel and 500,000 soldiers in Judah. But look what happens next. After the count is completed, after they went through all the nation, who knows how long that took. Had to be months, if not a year or two. They went and counted all this. And look at what happens in verse 10 of 2 Samuel chapter 24. It says, but after he had taken the census, David's conscience. Anybody have a conscience? David's conscience began to bother him. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly by taking the census. Please forgive my guilt, Lord, for doing such a foolish thing. Have you ever done anything and you go right after you did it, you just regretted it immediately? You go, why did I do that? Why did I say that? You made a reckless decision, maybe because of pride or anger or fear or jealousy. And that's something you know that you were supposed to do. God was telling you, don't do that. And you just stepped out there and you went and did it anyways. And all of a sudden, as soon as you did it, you have this, this conscience, this, this, this guilt. And this is what David has experienced. He knew he shouldn't have never counted the, the members of his armies because he knows, he knows better. He knows that he, need, he needs to rely on God. Throughout the Old Testament, there was many times where the Israelites were outnumbered by thousands and thousands. And yet God would take them and he would win the battle with the power of God. And what he was trying to under, make them understand that it, they shouldn't rely on their own strength, but God's strength. The Apostle Paul talks about that when I am weak, then he is strong. In verse 12, we see David's wrongful actions results in punishment. 
And I believe the punishment is greater than just David's sins. It's, it's a reflection on the people of Israel at that time who had been turned away from obeying God. So God gives David three choices of punishment. This is so much more gracious than my dad ever gave me. My dad never gave me three choices. God gives three choices. And it's interesting. All three choices come in threes. So which one would you choose? Three years of famine. Three months of constant fear fleeing from those who want to kill you. Or three days of plague on your land. David did what I would do. Because I, I, I like to just get the punishment over with as quick as possible, okay? So David chooses the three days of plague. And it, remind, it reminds me that, you know, this is a big deal. God is making this punishment take place. And the Bible states that 70,000 people died because of the plague. Most likely, it was probably soldiers in David's army. And you know, we read this, we're going through the Old Testament. The Old Testament is difficult stuff, guys. There's a lot of stuff going in the Old Testament that we have a hard time understanding how God would take it and put a plague on people and, and how the sacrifices in those days. But God was always ushering and leading people to the Savior. But this is the one thing I want you to take away. If you take away this thought from that part of the story, your decisions have consequences. Your decisions matter. It's why it's so important for each and every one of us to follow the voice of the Lord. In verse 16, it states that the Lord relented and said to the death angel, stop, that is enough. This plague had been going through. At that moment, the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. And this is an important factor in our story today that I want you to remember. The threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite. And then David speaks to the sin of his sin in verse 17, where he says, I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. But these people are as innocent as sheep. What have they done? Let your anger fall against me and my family. Now we know David is just being a great king because we know in verse 1, it says that the, that the anger of the Lord burned against Israel at that point. So it wasn't just David. It was Israel in general as well. But we see in verse 1 that David takes noble action and recognizes his sin as king. Or in, in verse 17, David is truly repentant. He doesn't look for any excuses. He doesn't try to blame others for his sins. He owns up to his wrongs and wants to doesn't want to blame anyone but him himself. He wants to take the leadership in that role. And it's a great example of leadership. It's a great example of leading people towards repentance. Guess what? Leaders have to start to lead the way, amen? And I want to pick up the rest of the story in verses 18. We're going to read seven verses here, verses 18 through 25. Follow along with me. That day Gad came to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. When Arona saw the king and his men coming toward him, he came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord, the king, Arona asked. David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord, the king, and use it as you wish, Arona said to David. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering, and you can use the threshing boards and the ox yokes for wood to build the fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Arona, no, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord. 
my God, that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for, for the Lord, for, uh, for the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today, and I pray, God, that once again your word would impact our lives. It would change us. It would direct us, Lord God, that we'd be able to put our spiritual ears on, that we'd hear your word in such a way, Lord God, that it would impact us and change us. That's our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. So David was called to build an altar on the very place, and if you catch this, on the very place where God stopped the angel of the death. So it was at that, a place of, where the, the, the threshing floor of Arona all of a sudden, it was at this place where the angel, where God said, that's enough, stop. And then God called David to build an altar on that location. It served as a place of sacrifice. It served as a reminder of his mistake. And most importantly, it served as a place to experience God's mercy. For within this story, David displays to us uh, the pain of failure and the joy of sacrifice. Is called leadership. I was thinking about that as I was preparing the message. The pain of failure, the joy of sacrifice. Anybody here ever fail? Yeah. We've all failed. You see, you're going to fail in life. What really matters is after you fail, how do you get back up? See, David is a great leader. 1.2 million soldiers in his army. He knew that he had failed God. But once he had understood that he made the failure of God, he took ownership of that and he made the sacrifice before the Lord. There's times in our life, you could take this message, you could apply it in every area of your life. You could apply it to your marriage, you could apply it to a, as a parent, you could apply it at your job. There's times you're going to fail, but how are you going to get back up? What sacrifices are you willing to make? The first thought I want to share, I want to share three thoughts with you today. The first thought is this. A true sacrifice displays sincerity. Notice in this story that Arona was willing to give the entire sacrifice to King David. This not only included the land that the threshing floor was placed on, but it included everything else. It included the yoke that the oxen wore. It included the wood that this, they had this wood where it was like a sled that would go across uh, the, this, this, this area where all would separate the wheat. He was willing to give all that, and including the oxen who would eventually become the sacrifice, the animal sacrifice. He was willing to give all that to David. It was a generous offer by Arona, but David replied, I will not present offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. If David would have just accepted the gift that was offered, it would have never showed his sincerity of a heart change before God. If he would have just taken the gift, Arona offered the whole thing. See, David could have escaped the whole scenario. He wouldn't have to do anything. He was getting to offer the whole gift. I could sacrifice this. It, would, it won't cost me anything. And David, as a stand-up leader as he is, he said, no, no, no. I will not offer anything to God unless it costs me something. It showed David's sincerity. Many times in life, we are tempted to take the cheap way out. We don't want to make the sacrifice that God is asking us to make. We find other options to soften the sacrifice. But David could, David could have taken that option, but he chose not to. God is looking for people with sincere hearts. God is looking for transparency, not manipulation. 
And I, I feel like the word for some today. God is looking for transparency, not manipulation. Many times what's presented out there, we think it's transparency, but it's really it's manipulation. And what God is really looking for is a heart that is repentant, that is transparent before him. Jesus is looking for people who are willing to pay the full price of surrendering their lives unto him. Don't skimp on your sacrifice to God. Otherwise, guess what will happen? You'll miss out on the blessing that God has for you. Second thought, a true sacrifice honors God. We see this in the very last verse that the Lord answered David's prayer and the plague, of it, the plague that was coming against Israel stopped. And what's amazing about this story is where it stopped, where God stopped the plague was at, at the threshing floor of Aronis. And it just... He said, that's enough. And I just need to explain what a threshing floor would have be been like. It was, it was a big circle most of the time, and it was laid with stone, flat stone. And they would take wheat, and I found this in our house, so I grabbed this. They would take wheat, and on the end of the wheat would be little kernels, of, kernels there. And this would be the stock or, or the chaff. And what they would do is they'd throw the wheat onto the, the threshing floor, and then they would, they would have oxen. And behind the oxen would be kind of this sled that they could put stones on or whatever they want to, but to be made out of wood. And they would drag this, this, this wood thing with the oxen around in a circle over and over and over again. And what would happen is as that wood would come in against this wheat, it would separate the kernels of wheat from the chaff. And then they would take rakes or forks and they would throw the stuff up in the air and the wind would blow the chaff away. But the heavier kernels would drop down so they could collect the wheat. That's what the threshing floor was. This is where this altar is being built. It is here where the prophet Gad tells David to build an altar to the Lord. And David's obedience to the word of the Lord and even Arona's willingness to give everything that he had to David became a place where God was honored. And I want to share the rest of the story with you today, as Paul Harvey would say, and some of you are going to get that and some of you won't. <laughs> as you read about David's life story, you discover one of the, David's greatest desires in his life, one of the greatest desires that David had because he was so in love with God. It says in the Bible that he had a heart after God. He was so in love with God, one of the greatest desires that he wanted to build a temple to house the presence of God. He wanted to build a temple that would honor God. But yet when he started to build the temple, the Lord said, no, 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 your hands are too full of bloodshed. There's too much war that you've been a part of. I'm not going to let you to build my temple. And so then he allowed his son Solomon. Solomon was the one that was able to build the temple of God. And I want you to, I want you to follow along here. I want to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 3, 1, because I want you to see what takes place when we listen to the word of God, when we honor God with our sacrifices in life. So Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord, David's son, in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. When the Lord had appeared to David, his father, the temple was built on the threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite, the site that David had selected. See, it was a site where David had met the presence of God. And David is long gone now, and his son is building the temple. And David says, when you build the temple, I want it on that site. That's the site that I want it to be built on. It's the same site that you can find in Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham takes up his son Isaac, and he goes up to Mount Moriah, and he's going to sacrifice his son. I get it, Old Testament's brutal. I'm going like, whoo, God does not support 
child sacrifice, don't think that. I don't care if you have a two-year-old or not. It's not going to happen, okay? But what takes place here is as we know in the story, God does not allow that to happen. He provides a ram that becomes a sacrifice for Abraham. But what God was looking for, are you, how sold out are you to me, Abraham? And so on this same mountain where David experiences the presence of God at Aronis' threshing floor is the same mountain where Abraham makes the altar, builds an altar to sacrifice Isaac where he sacrifices the ram. How, what, where are you taking this, Pastor Tom? Today our lives represent God's temple. The temple where David built or Solomon built on that location where he met the presence of God, guess what? Today, now, we are the temple of God. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. We, well, on that day, in Acts chapter 2, when the power of the Holy Spirit came down on the believers, guess what? There's something that changed at that moment where all of a sudden now we don't need a building to worship in. Guess what? We are the, the building that God decides to reside in. We house the presence of God when we choose to follow after Jesus. And the sacrifice that we offer to God is ourself. It's honoring God with every area of our life. Paul writes in Romans 12:1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So what we do for sacrifice today is, guess what? We sacrifice, we're a living sacrifice. We offer ourselves to God each and every day. Are you honoring God with your life? Is your life a living sacrifice? And the last thought I want to share with you today is this. A true sacrifice shows our dependence upon God. David built an altar there at the threshing floor and made great sacrifices to God. It displayed, God's absolute de- or displayed David's absolute dependence upon God. For without God, David was nothing. David knew this. That without the presence of God, without the power of God, he was absolutely nothing. Without, da- without God, David would not be king. Without God, David would not have slayed Goliath. Without God, David would not have conquered Jerusalem. Without God, David would never have been able to conquer his enemies. David remembers it's his dependence upon God that brought him the victory. It's interesting that God had David build that altar on the threshing floor. As I already shared with the threshing floor, it was the thing that separated the wheat kernels from the chaff. Spiritually, the threshing floor represents a place, place of testing. And at times, there are times in our life, and some of you might be sitting here today or you might be watching us online, there's times in our life where you might feel like that piece of wheat. Laying on the ground, oxen are stepping on you, The board, those heavy boards with rocks are coming over the top of you. You feel like you're being beat up. You feel like the the difficulties of life are overcoming you. You feel that the weight of the world that's all around you, you you feel like, God, when is enough is enough? When are the gas prices of $6.25 going to go down? When is enough is enough? But when we endure and put our trust in Jesus and we surrender to his will, then eventually, when we're not so focused on our circumstances, and this is a word for some of you here today, 
We're, ne- we're not so focused on the difficulties of life. We're not so focused on being, feeling the weight of life. Guess what? All of a sudden what takes place in our life, we stop focusing on our problems and we start focusing on Jesus. We meet Jesus in the difficulties of life. We meet Jesus when we're going through the valleys. If you're willing to surrender and make yourself a living sacrifice before God. And then all of a sudden, the problems start, the problems are still there. But they fade because your eyes are back on Jesus. And then Jesus starts to walk you through the difficulties of the life. You're not walking on your own. It's why the word of God says that his yoke is light and easy. Because it's not that we're carrying it. Jesus is carrying it for us. When we're willing to do that, put our trust in God, when we're willing to become a living sacrifice, then it's a place where God's presence becomes evident in our life. It's where the light of Jesus begins to shine through us. And it, it's what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. This is Paul's story. This is, this is, these are Paul's difficulties. These are Paul's struggles when he's been beaten, when he's been persecuted. All the difficulties. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Have you ever thought about that? We house the presence of God. These bodies, these weak, frail bodies, how the presence of God? This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. You see, something happens when we are willing to walk through the difficulties of life and we're willing to make the sacrifices of life where all of a sudden now these fragile jars that have all the cracks, all of a sudden, guess what? Through all the troubles, through all the difficulties of our life, the light of God shines through those things and people get to see the beauty of Jesus. A living sacrifice means that we honor God with all that we are. Circumstances of life don't matter. We honor God. In the Old Testament, altars are built as a place for animal sacrifice. It represents a place where God met you, a place of mercy, a place of blessing. Today, altars represent a place of surrender, where we honor God by presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. It's coming to the front of the church and kneeling before God. We've kind of gotten away from that since COVID. But man, can I remind you today that these altars are open? This stage serves as an altar. It serves as a place where you can come and where you can kneel before God and put, cry out your heart towards God. It's a place where you can weep. It's a place where you can meet the presence of God. 1995, this building was built. And if you didn't see this before we did the remodel, there used to be stairs here, three flights of stairs. And uh, when we started doing the remodel, we started pulling up all the carpet. And on those stairs were written testimonies, were written prayer requests. Back from 1995, were written hopes and dreams. It was an altar unto God. When we remodeled, we, 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 we wanted to bring this surface like this to flat, not have the stairs in the front. And so we didn't remove the stairs. The stairs are still underneath there. We just put plywood right over the top. And we put it down. And guess what? We spent two or three weeks 
where people from this church started writing down on these boards. How many of you guys wrote? I know some of you wrote down, yeah, on these boards. Where you wrote down prayer requests. Where you wrote down hopes and dreams. On Good Friday service, we put this plexiglass up here. And we said, put, put your vision, put your hopes on these things. To be in God's presence every day with, with a revealed mind. I want God to work in my life. I'm going to learn to trust God with my future and realize it's timing, not mine. Become involved in the ministry of the church and develop new friendships inside the church, outside the church. To build a kids ministry dream team. We put our hopes and our desires and we lay them at the altar before God. Say, God, now they're yours. Do with them as you wish. See, there's something powerful that takes place when we're willing to surrender before God. And it doesn't have to just be at the altar of the church. You should have an altar in your home. You should have an altar maybe in your vehicle. It's wherever you can get away and just be still and know God and listen to his words. David writes these famous words in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifice that you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. That's our desires. The altar is a place where we meet God. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.